Have you ever caught yourself repeating patterns from your own upbringing with your kids? Does your past dictate your parenting? Join us in this eye-opening episode as our guest delves into her personal journey of breaking generational cycles while raising her kids. From recognizing familiar patterns to the transformative power of self-awareness, we uncover the challenges and heartwarming successes she's experienced. Get ready to be inspired to break free from the past and create a brighter future for your family. Let's dive right in. Hey, I'm Corina Ortega, just a regular Venezuelan woman who is passionate about being the voice she once needed by helping you navigate through your own people-pleasing recovery journey. I walk with you through the lessons I've learned throughout my own process and give you the tools that will help you make decisions that start prioritizing your own needs. Think of it as our personal date with a menu full of clarity and awareness. Get ready to learn and be challenged to dig deep through these conversations to unravel this prioritizing journey together. This is the Inner Pleaser Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Inner Pleaser Podcast. Today, we have a remarkable guest who is no stranger to breaking cycles and embracing change. Natalia Rodriguez is a skilled journalist born in Venezuela with Spanish heritage with a master's degree in corporate and political communication. Her professional background is very diverse, having worked in radio, political campaigns, PR, digital marketing, and publishing. But her story takes a fascinating turn when she became a doTERRA wellness advocate in 2020 setting out on a mission to help busy families uncover natural solutions for wellness. She's also a loving mother of two beautiful daughters. Her family has now made their home in Switzerland, where they share a beautiful journey together. Natalia is happiest when traveling, loves good food, and enjoys nurturing conversations. I have not only the privilege to call her my friend, but also my business partner, and I'm so happy to have her here today so you can learn from her experiences as a recovering people pleaser herself on how to manage cycle breaking while raising kids. Welcome, Natu, to the Inner Pleaser podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Cody. It's an absolute honor to be part of uh, your podcast and to be here in this space with you. As always, a joy to have a chat. Um, I promise we'll keep it short and sweet and concise <laughs> because we can talk for hours. That's right. That's right. And um, mainly what I, what I thought of bringing you here, because of course, we have many common grounds, but I believe that our upbringing and the way that we were raised is very similar and it's something that we can connect a lot in. And I believe that I wanted you to be here and to learn from you from that specific topic, but not only on how you've been able to change those patterns or break the cycle, not only for yourself, but how you're doing it with your kids. So let's start by maybe sharing any personal experience that you recognize that you were having the cycle of your past and 
that you immediately said, I need to break this. So can you share with us? I, there are probably many, but just the one that stands out. I think for me, I mean, motherhood in itself, it's a very revealing experience. Um, so I think for me, the, the one that I was like, okay, I definitely don't want this to go on is the shouting or raising our voices to get a point across for everything, right? Even for the smallest things. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened or that it doesn't happen. Right. It is like, it's very hard, but we will get to that point later. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, yeah, shouting was a big part of, you know, the way I grew up and in my house, there was always, you know, things were very loud and yeah, having like, a conversation in which two people could disagree, um, which is totally valid. But without the shouting, I didn't get that example. And towards us, it was very similar. And you understand, you know, yes. like now I understand both sides. I understand the, the kids part of it. And I also understand the stressed parent side of it. However, we have so many tools right now and the awareness is like, it just made things very obvious that it didn't have to be that way and that there are ways to communicate much more efficiently that it doesn't have to be shouting, that you can have an argument without getting to that point of raising your voice or screaming at the people you love the most, mm -hmm. right? However, coming from a place of compassion I can understand both ends, right? And it's very upsetting when you acknowledge that this was not okay. And then you find yourself repeating that pattern unconsciously. And it really takes you by surprise sometimes and how these behaviors are really hardwired in your system. And then you find yourself repeating them, even though you have realized that this is not okay and I don't want to continue this pattern. So, yeah, that has been the one I would be like, okay, this is definitely not one I want to continue. I don't want to be a shouty mom. So the one I put most effort on is certainly that one. I love it. And I, I can agree because I had the same experience. Uh, definitely in my house, it has always been loud. And yes, I don't have kids of my own yet, but I believe that that will certainly be one of the ones that I don't want to repeat for sure. So you mentioned self-awareness, and I think that when we become cycle breakers, definitely the starting point is that self-awareness, is to become aware of the things that we don't want to repeat. So how did you become aware of those patterns and, and, and made you decide that you wanted to change that in your parenting? I think there were two major events in my life that triggered this awareness and this change. It wasn't like, okay, one day something big mm -hmm. happened and that was it. Um, I think it was many, many years of a lot of different changes um, that brought this up to me. So for me, of course, motherhood was one of the major shifts in who I am and the way I thought I was. And then the way I realized, okay, this is not how I want to be. This is the person I want to be, not only for myself, but as an example for my girls. And also I realized that moving countries and changing, like 
putting myself into a completely different culture brought up a lot of things. Um, so those two things, those two major shifts really um, brought up to the surface um, mm -hmm. that self-awareness, right? Of, okay, there are a few things here that I'm not sure were fully okay. Mm -hmm. How can I change it? Like, how can I change it? And also, yeah, learning the tools to change it, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, you realize that there is something that you want to change, but that you have no tools to do Correct. it because you were not giving any tools to bring that change up. So you have to kind of learn on the job, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think with motherhood, it was just such a raw experience that it, it literally pulled me apart. So it's like, you think you are this person and then you go through <laughs> this event and it really puts you like a puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you see all of the different pieces of you, right? And then there are things that you maybe had forgotten about. There are things that you really love about yourself and that you want to keep. And there are things that are maybe not so good about yourself and you want to let go. Mm -hmm. So you go through that journey of being pulled apart, um, which is quite intense. And then you go through the massive mission that it's putting yourself back together mm -hmm. with the pieces that you want to keep and building new pieces with your own bare hands mm -hmm. uh, of the things that you want to become as mm -hmm. well. So it is very exhaustive as a, as a job in itself. You understand the value of it because it's not just for you anymore. It's mm -hmm. for the people that you're raising. So you know you have a bigger impact in doing this, uh, this work, right? But you have that you know, opportunity to rebuild yourself and leave behind the things that no longer serve you or mm -hmm. for your family. And at the same time, you are leaving stuff behind that maybe you thought you wanted to keep or that, <laughs> you know, things that you were raised like from your culture. And this is the way it has always been done. And mm -hmm. this is, you know, how my mother raised me or what my grandma used to do. But then, you know, you know, you have to leave this behind but there is that, I guess, autopilot part of us that it's like, oh, but, you know, this is how we did it. But then, you know, you do it on a daily basis and mm -hmm. you are literally learning on the job. So that self-awareness is a work in progress. And I think moving countries was also because I, I moved from Venezuela, then to Spain, then to England and then to Switzerland. So by living in different cultures, I realized that many things from my own culture back home in Venezuela were not okay in the sense that these things didn't align with my values anymore. Once you realize what are your own values, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. not other people's values or my culture's values. So moving countries for me was a massive thing, realizing that, okay, maybe this is not as important as I thought maybe other things are more important and making that shift without feeling like a traitor as right. well, because, oh my God, like you're mm -hmm. doing this and leaving everything you knew behind without kind of, you know, losing your authenticity and like dismissing your own culture with, which also has value, 
and it's important and you also want to pass a part of that onto your kids but yeah you become with the self-awareness you become more um i guess selective is the the word i want to use like you yeah. start cherry picking the things mm -hmm. that you really want to bring along for the journey and you start tossing the things that you really don't want to bring along it's wow. not easy and i think mm -hmm. it's a it's a work in progress i wouldn't say it's something that you realize one day and that's it right i think this self-awareness has to be like you know top of mind pretty right. much every day um for it to be efficient i guess <laughs> yeah and in parenting and in any other aspect of our life really it's something it's like a muscle that needs to be trained for sure and i love that you say that because it makes it real it it's not there's not an end point It's definitely a work in progress, like you say, and it, it must be challenging because your kids are the best teachers, they say. So I believe that you learn every single day from the situations and different opportunities that come up. So what are some common cycles or patterns that you've observed in your life in these different countries that you've lived in when it comes to parenting? I think stress is a big thing and how we get carried away by stress everything is like stress led in a way and we go into firefighter mode so we're mm -hmm. always like you know turning off fires and putting off fires i find that a constant regardless of the country the culture like in parenting like i realize we're all so stressed out and spread so thin because in many different cultures there is no really that support anymore there's you know the famous it takes a village to raise mm -hmm. a child mm -hmm. that has been stripped away from us it's no longer there for those of us who are um, immigrants it's it's gone it's gone for me it was by choice I made a conscious choice to move from my country and I'm very happy with that decision but at the same time I left behind my support network for the moment when I had kids, I didn't have that. So I had to build it for ourselves, right? So I think the common thing that I find not only in my parenting, but with my friends who are also moms and, and parents is that, that things become very stressful. You realize that you're constantly on edge. You're constantly on call even when you're getting a break and it's like, oh yeah, we're going for date night. You have this thing on the back of your head. You are responsible for these humans for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. You cannot unsubscribe from thinking about them. <laughs> as relaxed as you might be, as chill of a parent as you might be, that doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. You create this life and that is with you permanently, 24-7. So that underlying stress is always there. There are moments that become much more challenging, for example, when they get sick or when there is, you know, school and events and things like that on top of your own life, right? Mm -hmm. So you're like living three different lives simultaneously, right? You're living your own life with mm -hmm. your own needs and wishes and your job and all of these things and your relationships as well. Um, at the same time, you are having your kids and then they have their own responsibilities, but you are responsible for them. 
So you have to make sure that they are in school on time, that they get dressed, that they are healthy, all at the same time. It's not that you can come put everything into containers Mm -hmm. and then, okay, I'm going to deal with this in five minutes. No, no, everything happens at the same time. So it is a very stressful role in itself. So I think that that is probably a cycle that I haven't been able to fully figure out yet how to manage that stress so that it doesn't kind of creep into our day-to-day in a way that it affects our relationships and and our day-to-day so much. Because when that stress becomes too much, then it kind of takes control over everything. Breakfast becomes stressful. Getting out of the house is stressful. So like then the whole day is stressful. So Managing that and putting like stress at bay is that cycle that I would really like to figure out, like, because you're being pulled in all directions. So having that time for what I would do if I didn't have my kids, like having that time to pause, to breathe, to, I don't know, have a meditation, do some yoga, relax. You really don't have that time sometimes, Mm -hmm. most of the times I would say. So it's really hard to bring back that self-awareness and pause and bring your best self back into the game. It's not always possible. It's not always easy. And that frustration kind of builds up and snowballs yeah. uh, throughout the day. I would love to, you know, figure out how to break that cycle of stress, building up to a point in which it ruins your days. Because I, yeah. I grew up with very stressed parents as well. So that's what I wanted to ask next. Like, did you see that pattern of stressful parents in your upbringing? Like, can you relate to that now? A hundred percent. And now that you have like two sides of the coin, you see both sides. You Mm -hmm. see, I mean, we were raised by a generation that wanted to give us everything. And in fact, they did give us everything they could Mm -hmm. Um, many things that they didn't get themselves so you do see and appreciate the effort and the work that they put into giving us all of these things and there is so much gratitude for that at the same time they gave a hundred percent to work my mom was constantly working there was a point in which she had like four jobs Mm -hmm. Uh, and she was always running around always in traffic But then my dad was also working because he had his own business. Uh, So then, you know, I had a very stressed out mom coming for school pickup and then dropping us off. And like that car journey from Mm. school to home was always stressful because that was, you know, maybe her outlet to, you know, say how she was feeling in a way that it was not our fault, you know, and it's like, I did not sign up for that. (laughs) But then you realize this much, much later in life. My dad was always working. So he was missing out on so many things like, you know, school plays and events and things like that. And he would get home quite late. So things like that, that you realize like, you guys were stressed, (laughs) like very stressed. Uh, Was there really a need to go that far? Like (laughs) to work that much Mm -hmm. to, you know, push it that hard I don't know the answer to that one but it was like stress was very high constantly 
not only because of their work, but at the same time, because of the situation of our country, mm-hmm. we went through very major political events growing up. Correct. And that stress as a parent also bleeds into your home That's because it. you are trying to make sure that your family is safe. And th- I can see how that was very stressful for them. And then again, it brings us back to not having the tools to manage that stress. Mm-hmm. Because back in my time, when I thought I wanted to talk to someone about certain things of how I was feeling, therapy was for crazy people, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. If you go to therapy, something's wrong with you. Yeah. So I never had that chance to go to therapy Uh, and find those tools and navigate those feelings. So I kind of bottled a lot of things up that came out through my journey in motherhood, which wasn't a great timing for that to happen uh, (laughs) because then you think something's wrong with you while you have a human to look after and you feel very guilty about that. So I think, yeah, learning those tools right now, it's uh, it's key. (laughs) I love it. And it's definitely another pattern that you want to break definitely and yeah i can relate to how hard it is to to break it because we find ourselves repeating that often so going back to the cycle breaking part like what do you find most challenging when you see something that you want to change when you become aware of it like what's the most challenging part of not repeating that i think having compassion Hmm. is the Hmm. hardest part for me because you feel like you should know better Mm -hmm. um, and you don't most of the time yeah um I don't know why this one makes me cry uh but yeah you get really hard on yourself when you have other people depending on you and I think now especially when I had my second daughter uh four months ago and then my oldest daughter she's five so she is very self-aware of everything, <laughs> of herself and of us. So she's literally watching me live mothering, right? So you feel that um, responsibility because you realize that you are becoming that example for her mm. of how to mother. So of course, yes, she will probably pick up the good parts, but the times when I lose it, She's also going to pick that up and she's going to be like, right, uh, what was that? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's going to be in her code. So how we navigate those feelings and how you are compassionate enough with yourself to understand that it's okay to feel, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that it's okay for them to see you in that situation as well, for them to see you cry, for Mm -hmm. them to see you maybe lose it for a moment. And for them to see you come back from that, to apologize when you have to apologize, to forgive yourself for maybe you raised your voice, maybe, I don't know, you said something you didn't truly mean. Mm -hmm. Um, So having compassion on yourself and and understanding that you were not given the tools to navigate these things uh, that are completely normal because feelings are, you know, the most normal thing ever. And here we are, right? Feeling guilty because I lost my temper. (laughs) And it's like, oh God, I'm awful. I'm a monster. No, you're not. Like you are a human who is spread just way too thin. Let's 
you know, pick yourself back up, have that compassion. I, yeah, I find that to be the trickiest part, the hardest bit. Yeah, for sure. I love that you brought that up because it reminded me of one of my therapy sessions where I was unpacking a lot of my things. And I remember one crucial part of my journey where I was finding myself very overwhelmed. And I remember saying to my therapist, I just wish for when I have kids, I do not repeat this. Like I felt so heartbroken for certain things I went through that that was my instant thought. Like, I don't want to repeat this. Uh, I can't pinpoint out what it was exactly because <laughs> there are a lot of things. It's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can relate to that. So, um, but anyways, it reminded me of that. And what she said, like, stick to me to this day. She said, it's inevitable for us to pass on things. Like, as much as you will try to not do it, to evade that, to be as perfect as you can. You will always pass on things that you don't want to pass on. But what you said, you're giving them tools to cope with it in the future, which we didn't have. So I think that's beautiful for you to brought up and also to be very vulnerable and to say that self-compassion, it's the hardest part because it is. And, and I can relate to that, not in parenting, but in many different other things. When I have the challenge to be there for myself and to understand that I am doing the best that I can. So can you share any other strategies or any approach that you've used to break a cycle and to create a healthier environment for your two daughters? I believe that learning to establish boundaries is the revelation of my life. Hmm. I had no idea I had <laughs> that right. I didn't know it was possible to set boundaries because just like you, raised to be perfect and a people pleaser and hmm. never say no and try to help everyone and, you know, like always being pulled in all directions right regardless mm -hmm. of uh, whatever i wanted mm -hmm. it's like who cares what you want right yeah yeah um so for me in my adult life learning about boundaries and establishing boundaries and more importantly standing by my boundaries and respecting my own boundaries has been key that has been a game changer for me being able to say no without guilt mm. um i will not do this or you know things that i will not tolerate from people mm. in a way that is you know the tricky part is communicating those yeah. boundaries but at the same time understanding that you are not responsible for how people feel or choose to feel when you establish these boundaries um protecting your own space and that of your kids as well that has been massive for us uh because i mean it's not like we have gone no contact with our families we love our families and we want them to be around especially around our kids 
it's very complex for us because they live abroad, but the times when we are together are very intense. And then you see all of these patterns and all of these cycles from your childhood coming back into your own home in front of your own kids. And you're like, right, I need to build a little fence to protect my kids from this behavior. And they are not always happy about that. However, you have to take that role in which you're not just just a daughter anymore. You are a mother and then you're an example for your own kids. So it is quite the ride, uh, <laughs> the learning to, yeah, it's, it's quite the job. And for your parents, it becomes such a revelation as well mm. that you, who always said yes, who always were happy to do all of the things, happy, you know, I say happy with sarcasm, um, <laughs> you are no longer that person. So they don't recognize you. And then you've changed, right? Mm. Oh, you, you you were not like this. And then you're like, yeah, no, I changed. And I'm very happy I did because that is <laughs> not, not the way, my friends. So all of this is happening simultaneously, mm. live. There's no script. No one gave you any guidance on how to do this. You're learning on the job. It's messy, but it's so worth it learning to establish clear boundaries but more importantly stand by them despite people throwing a tantrum at you I believe that's so important and I mean if I can give you a couple of examples I think because I I saw such a clear before and after with mm -hmm. this when I had my first daughter my first postpartum experience turned out to be all about our extended family. All of the grandparents came in. We, we lived in a very, very tiny flat in, in the UK. Everyone was there before the baby arrived and then a bit after she arrived. So everything was about them mm. in a way. In a moment in my life that it was my first kid and it was honestly all supposed to be about me so because... It was my moment. It's not all about the baby. The baby is going to be fine as long as the mother mm. is fine. And everything was about other people. Where are they going to stay? Do they have a nice hotel? Do they, like, are they going to stay here? What are we going to do? Like, how are they going to move? Do they have a car? Do we need to rent? I shouldn't have been dealing with any yeah. of that at 30 something weeks pregnant with right. my first. And then she arrives. And postpartum is like the hardest thing I have ever been through. And then you have all of these people that seems like they forgot about this part of their lives. <laughs> uh, I always tell my husband, it's like the men in black came in and they erased their memories. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like you had kids. How did you forget about this part? And why didn't anyone tell me that this was so dark? So that first experience was very hard and very lonely uh, mm. at the same time because I felt completely helpless. That was so bad that it ended up turning into postpartum depression, which I realized much later on. And now that I had my second one, after going through all of that journey of realizing all of these cycles, realizing all of these patterns, unpicking all of these 
while raising my first, learning about boundaries and that I have the right to establish clear boundaries for myself, for my family. The postpartum experience I had with my second daughter was such a beautiful, positive moment of my life. I will always remember it as like Mm -hmm. such a beautiful time, despite the difficult bits, despite the lack of sleep, despite how exhausting it is, despite all of those like physical things. It was such a beautiful moment because I built that experience for my family. I set the boundaries. We really worked with my partner, who is, I mean, he is absolutely incredible. This time around, we really worked for postpartum Mm -hmm. and for that experience to be possible. We set the boundaries with both our sides of the family. We really communicated what we wanted, what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And we had those conversations before the baby was here. Like, here's the plan, people. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. We didn't have any anyone around. You know, like, we really changed things this time around. Mm-hmm. And the results were beautiful. All of this to say <laughs> to those of you who might be listening to this and feeling like, oh, my God, but I cannot tell my family that, I don't know, they come right away to see the baby. Yes, you can. Exactly. Yes, you yes, can. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's what feels right for you in your heart, that's what you should do in order to have a positive experience, which is what you deserve. Right. You deserve to have a positive journey through whatever it is that you might be going through. But we sometimes don't feel like we are worthy of that, mm. that we deserve that experience or that we are taking away something from them. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm not, not allowing my parents to meet their daughter, like granddaughter right away. Or I don't know, like at what point people allowed parents to be in the delivery room? I don't know <laughs> how that happened or when that happened. Uh, that's not a thing anymore, guys. Uh, you are allowed to say no. <laughs> so I believe that that was a massive change. And for me, I have that before and after so clear that it's just, I I would like to leave people with that message that yes, it is possible. And yes, you are worthy of mm-hmm. having that space, whatever it might be. Um, you are able to establish those boundaries and, and stand by them. And however people want to take that, it's not your responsibility. That is uh, theirs. I love that. And I can see clearly like the difference between the first experience with your first one, you were merely pleasing others, focusing on the outside. But then this time around, when you turn inward and look within, like, what is it that I want to do? I am the main character here. Look at how differently it turned out. And it's so beautiful because I always say this on the podcast is how important it is to connect with what we really need and what we really want. And I can definitely agree with you that boundaries is one of the first things that we need to start learning to master because it's, it's a practice. You won't learn it from the first time. (laughs) You will make mistakes by learning how to set them. But at the same time, it's so rewarding when you do. And I will also take one thing that you said that you took the time to recognize to your kids when you made mistakes. 
because obviously they're going to come. Parenting can be very challenging. And and of course, sometimes you're going to find yourself reacting based on your past experiences. So can you share how you handle those moments when you find yourself reacting like that? Not the best way that you could possibly want, but how do you handle those moments aside from recognizing it and apologizing? Because I myself can say I never got that. Still to this day, I never got that apology or that recognition that hands down, I made a mistake. I've never had that. So I find that so beautiful and definitely something that I want to do when I have my own kids. But how do you handle those moments? I think for me, it's a tricky one because like you just said, I never got, uh, I'm sorry, I messed up. That was not okay. You didn't deserve that, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. I never got that. And even when I had my first and she was a tiny, tiny little baby, if I felt like I had made a mistake or that, you know, I reacted in a way that, you know, wasn't fully okay, I would apologize to this tiny little baby that could not even talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I would apologize. And when my own parents would see this, my mom, I remember she saying to me, why are you apologizing? You should never apologize to your own children. And I was like, no, oh, ma'am, wow. that's not correct. I will apologize because of this and this and this. That's how it all started to kind of, you know, you start to unpick things mm. and start setting little boundaries throughout yeah. the ride, you know. But I would apologize uh, to my baby and, and to this day if I mess up. I apologize. Mm. I find it difficult because, for example, if I raise my voice and I, you know, I lose my cool because you've been asking your kid to do whatever they have to do in order to get out of the house 10 times, mm. um, it's very triggering. I hate repeating myself. And then with kids, you have to repeat yourself quite a bit, right? <laughs> so you try to stay then, but then there is a point where you just... <laughs> That's it. And it's not nice for anyone. Then you see your kids and they are like suddenly scared of you and you're like, oh God, I messed up. Uh, Mm. You know? Mm. So you have all of these feelings in the blender at the same time and you're like, what? This is awful. (laughs) And you know it's awful. Uh, But then cooling down, I think, yes, you have to apologize and you have to repair. It's okay if they see you get upset. It's like, I I have to make peace with that because you want to be perfect and you don't want them to ever see you upset or ever raise your voice. That's going to happen. And making peace with that has been tricky for me Mm -hmm. because I wish we didn't have to go through or get to that point Mm -hmm. in order for them to like understand certain things. But I think learning to take a step back because sometimes you get so upset or so worked up that you kind of go again into a different kind of autopilot. You just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And you get out of the house and then you get in the car and then you're still upset. And then you take them to school and you're still upset. And then you go through your day and Mm. when you pick them up, you're still upset with them. And it's like, do you really need to be still upset? So I think learning to take a step back and using tools to really cool down, realize that it was not the end of the world 
that they didn't put their socks on when you told them to put their socks on <laughs> that maybe you could have asked differently or maybe that if you had just taken two minutes to help them put on their socks that was it right and again compassion like okay maybe I could have done this a bit better or they were complete terrorists this morning what was that about uh, how can we make it a bit easier next time right. around right I never let any of it pass without discussion not with my kids not with my husband either mm -hmm. if we have an argument we will always debrief because it's easy to just okay we're not upset anymore and then you continue with your life it builds up somewhere exactly and then it flares up when exactly. you less need it so finding that time to really cool down understand what happened really what happened and then taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with them in a language that it's available to them that they understand that you know you had big feelings and that was not okay and it happened because of this or because of that and listening as well yeah. to their feedback how they felt what happened all of that take a step back and have that conversation once everyone cools down I try to never have those conversations when you're still feeling worked up uh, because you know what's going to happen and it's not cool <laughs> love it Now that you mention like the dark side, right? Because that's probably like the dark side. Let's have the bright side. Like, is there any other experience that you would want to share where you felt like you successfully broke a cycle and felt like you had success? I think it's when you see your own kids be their own person, despite of whatever you thought they would be like. Mm. or despite you know how you were raised and when you see them for example do something that you would have never dared to say <laughs> or do and when they say no and so unapologetically they mm. say no and it's like no I don't want to do that and you're like all right that's okay you know mm. but like you have that reflex of like what do you mean you don't want to do that you know <laughs> but then it's like it's okay mm. and preserving that which of course finding that sweet spot between I'm respecting what she wants and her needs and her wishes and finding that in between of following rules when we need to follow rules and right. being respectful at all times because respect is a core value here um, but at the same time preserving that authenticity and, mm. and that but they do it so naturally like they don't care how I'm gonna feel about it they don't care like at all they just go for that no like smoothly and when you yeah but when you see that and when you see them stand by what they want and they ask for things with such a conviction and that I don't want to lose love that that is like it's so nice because it's It's something I'm currently working on regaining. Mm -hmm. For ourselves, you mean? For ourselves, exactly. Right. At 35 years old, Correct. right? I'm learning to say no unapologetically when mm -hmm. I mean that no. And I'm learning to ask for what I want without any shame or guilt or any of that. So when you see your children do it so naturally, that feels like a success for me because it means that you know, I haven't damaged 
that part of them. I haven't clouded that part of them by raising them the way I was, yeah. you know? Um, so you see that it works, that breaking those cycles work. But yeah, like it's it's rare when you have those moments where you're like, actually, we're doing a good job. Yeah. We're doing a good job. It, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to find those moments in the mm. in the day to day. But when you see them in front of you, it's I mean it's the best. So rewarding, I can imagine. And you also mentioned how you can encounter some resistance from your family members when breaking these cycles or from friends also right that do not relate or cannot understand maybe some ways that we are trying to change the way we raise our kids but how do you handle that aside from setting boundaries is there anything else that you can share about how you handle those moments when you find these resistance yeah I think the boundaries, of course, are are key because, mm. I mean, people have reactions and that's that's okay. That's valid. People are allowed to feel whatever they want to feel. However, I believe boundaries have been very helpful, but not everyone is okay with you setting boundaries. Things got to a point in which I had to go one step beyond the boundary and I really had to stand up for myself and for my kids. Um, I'm still trying to find the most polite way of doing this. And in some cases, I have not been polite. I have not been nice, but I have been very clear. Because sometimes people really take it too far. And people really stand on you. And they really want to keep controlling the way you do things and keep telling you how to do things, despite that being against your values or the way you want to do things, which is so key when you're raising little humans. And people decide to throw tantrums at you when it's like, you are a full grown adult. Like, why are we having to go through this right now? Because I'm doing X thing for my child that is actually beneficial for the child mm -hmm. like I don't know I could give you the example of we put our kids to bed quite early right mm -hmm. we are an early bedtime family because of many reasons first of all I don't want to see my kid overtired crying and screaming for two hours mm -hmm. because society tells me that putting my kid to bed at 7 p.m it's too early if she has to go to bed at 7 p.m., because that's the best bedtime for her, and she will go to bed like an angel with no tears, happy as Larry, mm -hmm. I will do that for my kid. Mm -hmm. I don't care if in Spain, 7 p.m. is siesta time. Mm -hmm. I don't care. So things got to a point in which I don't know if we're allowed to swear on the yes, podcast. Go for it. <laughs> Honestly, there was a point in my life where I was like, I do not give a single fuck about mm. anyone else mm. that is in my kids, myself and my husband. That's it. I mm. do not care. And you have those conversations, right? Because that's the right way to set that boundary. You set Correct. the boundary and you communicate the consequence mm -hmm. of not respecting that boundary. But when people continue to push and push and push, of course, you have to follow with the consequence. Yeah. And there are moments when you're like, that's it. We're done. 
you have to stand up for yourself and you have to tell people to step back sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's not an easy conversation when it's especially towards the people you love, like mm -hmm. friends and family and people you thought were going to have your back in the moments when you need them to have your back. And mm -hmm. that's when they choose to give you grief, you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. ah, it wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of supposed to be helping me out right now because I am drowning and you are giving me a harder time on top of that. So it's very uncomfortable because it this is. is the people you expected to get help and support and for them to, to hold you in this time of, mm. you know, having little kids. So there's a point where, yes, you have to like just, you know, that's it, guys. I'm not tolerating right. this or that. And there is also a point where you have to let go of their opinions, of the way they used to do things, of the way they think you should be doing things. It is not yours to carry. Just keep going, following that instinct. And you know you're doing the best thing for your kids in all of these circumstances and mm -hmm. situations. If you need an opinion, you will ask for it. Mm -hmm. And then you deal with that message. But when you didn't ask for that opinion, don't take it right drop it leave it don't carry that just move on keep doing your thing it's I hard love that. but it's yeah. worth it it <laughs> is it is i love that you say that because also back again in any aspect of our life uh people are going to judge people are going to say things whether we go one way or the other they're always going to have something to say and back to you back to looking within back to what you want and that's the best way, I think, to to address those moments. And aside from setting boundaries, learn how to let go of what other people think. I love that you mentioned that as well. So one last question. You mentioned also at the beginning of having those moments to ground yourself. So how important do you think it is to have self-care moments in this process of becoming a better parent? This is key for me. <laughs> um, and not in a way that I am perfect at doing this. On the contrary, I'm really bad at self-care. I put myself last constantly. <laughs> uh, and I haven't figured out a way of putting myself first. Despite understanding how, I mean, not important. This is crucial, mm -hmm. vital, the most important thing self-care and not in the oh um, let me take a bubble bath once a week right. kind of self-care right. right how do you build that self-care into your day-to-day -day mm -hmm. in a way that you do something for yourself first um, in order to be that best version of yourself and to show up as that version of yourself for your kids for your partner for your work for your clients for the people around you how he mm -hmm is that you have that moment to whatever does the trick for you. For me, yoga is the one thing I would love to be doing first thing in the morning mm. so that I can be that, you know, Zen version of myself for most of the day. Mm. Um, I would love that. Do I have the time to do it? Not yet. Mm. Not yet. Because right now I'm choosing to sleep 30 more minutes when I'm very sleep deprived. I'm choosing sleep right, right now as my self-care. Whatever time I can get of sleep, I will get that because I know that when I'm sleep deprived, 
I am awful. So for me, that's what I'm prioritizing now. But going forward, once we find the rhythm and the baby is sleeping better and all of that, which second time around that, you know, it will eventually happen. However, more than with myself, I'm seeing it a lot with my parents right now Mm. as they get older. Mm. I am watching live the consequences of them not caring for themselves ever. And I'm seeing live the results of that yeah. and the damage mm-hmm. of that. And it's heartbreaking, it to is. be honest. I wouldn't want to see my kids looking at me mm-hmm. in that state because I never took the reins of my own self-care, you know, Correct. because Correct. I always put myself last. So that's something that it's definitely top of my list to sort out as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I want them to see that example of, you can take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. That mm. is a priority more than you have to be taking care of others first, right. right? And there is this word that you are caregiver, right? Mm. And there is so much giving in motherhood. You're constantly giving and giving and giving. But I, I understand that I'm, I'm having to pour from myself to care from these kids, to give them all the love that I can. You try to create, you know, beautiful memories with them. And you're always giving. And there's this physical part of it as well. You you gave your body uh, for so many months to Mm -hmm. create this life. And then you're trying to kind of rebuild yourself physically. And Mm -hmm. then you're holding a baby and shushing and, you know, just... It's very physically intense, Mm. but emotionally as well, right? And you are considered a caregiver, but I want to be considered a caretaker. Mm. I take care of myself. I Mm -hmm. take care of my kids. And it really changes that perspective of always giving and giving and giving. Mm. I want to take take care of myself I want to take care of my kids I want to take care of my husband Mm -hmm. and I get to which Mm -hmm. is so beautiful Mm -hmm. as well I get to create these little habits for myself that make me feel good I get to take care of my little ones I get to be there for them when they need me I get to create beautiful moments with my husband despite how messed up life it is sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how stressful things can be and how busy things are with work and all of that. So taking care of Love it. all of the things. Uh, and it brings that back to yourself. Love that you got this insight and that you're being vulnerable enough to admit that this probably, it's not something that you're currently mastering at the moment, but you are mastering it by being conscious of it. And being aware that it is something that you want to improve, but that you're doing it in small portions, like taking 30 more minutes to sleep. I mean, that's valid. So here I am, uh, your self-compassion voice reminding (laughs) you (laughs) that, yes, you are doing fine. So I love that. Yes, self-care makes such an important role. This is something that everyone needs to master looking forward. And I think this has been very revealing and this is something that I would want to keep. I mean, I'm going to re 
listen to it when I have kids of my, of my own because it has been very down to earth. So thank you for being so upfront and so raw with your things and with your feelings because that's where I think people can relate the most. So for last, I want to have the short and sweet takeaways. Uh, these are short answer questions, five of them. I'm going to ask you those and then you shoot me with your answer. All right? Go for it. Let's do it. One piece of advice that you'd give to your younger self. Don't be afraid to stand out. I love that. Don't be afraid to stand out. Love yeah. that. I was always uh, diluting myself, you mm. know, mm. and now I'm I'm learning to stand out mm. again. So if I could have a chat with her, I would be like, stand out, be different, go for it. Who cares? <laughs> so, <laughs> love that. Love that. Because it's really hard to rebuild that part of yourself. Yeah. Not that easy. Definitely. Definitely. When you're trying to be this person just to be liked, you just leave too many things behind that just yeah. make you who you are. So I love that one. One word that describes your outlook in life. Positive. Mm. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I told you, I told you uh, so many times, you always bring the bright side, the positive side. So I love that one. That definitely describes you a lot. <laughs> a person who has inspired you greatly. Anna, my first oh, daughter. I love that. I, I always say she's my, my North Star. Mm. Like she showed me like, oh, okay, this is it. And she brought up so many things for me. Like that was incredible like such a revealing experience and yeah she's she's a very inspiring person with a lot of personality very challenging to go through this when it's your daughter um, <laughs> but at the same time very inspiring and you're mm. like actually that's quite nice girl like I'm taking notes so yeah sometimes you think you're teaching them and they are teaching you definitely all right a daily habit that contributes to your well-being Besides sleep, uh, I have to bring up uh, aromatherapy because mm. that has been such a key element and a key resource for myself right now because it is so quick. Mm. It brings that shift in your mood, in your space, in the way you feel, in the way things feel at home. I think putting up that diffuser or using a roll-on whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or just, you know, grabbing a bottle of our essential oils and just having a quick breathwork <laughs> moment. Mm -hmm. um, that has been a lifesaver for me. It has been such a key resource for me to have. And aromatherapy works very quickly. So that when you have very, very little time, it has been essential, really a lifesaver for me. And it's part of definitely our daily habits that we are most grateful for. Last one, share your favorite affirmation that you love to repeat to yourself. All is well. Hmm. <laughs> I learned that one in my first pregnancy hmm. and it was one of the affirmations that we used for labor. All is well. And it. it brings me back to trusting, mm -hmm. trusting that everything is okay and that everything will be also okay. Whatever happens, like you've got this, you can navigate it. 
go through it. Yeah, all is well. And yeah, that's kind of, if I, I don't have tattoos, but if I had a tattoo, it would be all is well. <laughs> as, a, as an overthinker and hmm. as someone who is always wanting to be like in control and predicting constantly mm-hmm. what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and how are going to people feel, it's okay. Trust, drop hmm. all the fiction that you have in your head and just hmm. be here right now. Everything's fine. All is well, short and sweet. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you once again for being here and for giving us the best bits of your heart on this topic and for bringing up your family situations to us so that we can learn from you and just having the courage to say it out loud, to speak up and to be able to look at yourself now. and, And I hope that you listen back at this and and be proud of of how you're doing it and and how you're being an example not only for your two kids but for whoever is listening to this so thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have you on the show thank you so much for having me and for holding this space for so many people to learn and unlearn Hmm. uh, so many things Uh, as well and thank you for really creating this space for people pleasers to you know find their own path uh, through this journey which is not easy um so yeah thanks to you it's an honor to to share this space with you and thank you to anyone listening we would love to get some feedback thank you so much i'm gonna leave all natu's details in the description of this episode so you can reach out if you're related to her, if you just want to have a nice chat with her about all the challenges, (laughs) yes, about all the parenting challenges, you can go ahead to her profile and just reach out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for finishing this episode of the Inner Pleaser podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I cannot wait for you to listen to the next one. If you liked what you heard today and find yourself wanting more click on the subscribe or follow button and head on to corinaortega.com